Amen. I'm excited. It's so wonderful to be back in person. Um, should I let you sit down? I guess you got to just sit down. Go ahead and sit down. Uh, I guess we're not going to praise the Lord and dance and, 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 and jump and sing uh, anymore today. So you can take a seat and rest. Um, I want to let you know uh, one thing that's very, very important. That is next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Uh, Easter Sunday. This is... Um, this is, this is for me, this is the jam. I, I love Easter Sunday. Uh, Christmas is good, but Easter's where it's at for me because Easter is the resurrection. Easter is the hope. Easter says, hey, it doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter what you've been through. It matters where you're going. And we know where we're going. We don't grieve as those who have no hope because the self-same God that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you, lives inside of me. So we're going to celebrate Easter Sunday together. If you have not registered for Easter Sunday, please take a moment today. Uh, if there's a lull in the service, if my sermon gets boring, uh, you can jump online and you can reserve your seat for Easter Sunday. We're going to be at both campuses. Uh, when I say both campuses, I really mean all three campuses because we're going to be here at Shaw, we're going to be at U-City, and we are going to be on our online campus. Uh, so wherever you are Join us for Easter Sunday. If you're going to be in person, register with us. Come a little bit early. We'll get you all checked in and ready to go. Amen? Amen. Um, I also have one more announcement. And that is, if you are 6th grade to 12th grade, or you are the parent of a 6th grader to 12th grader, please stick around after service today. We have something very special to announce to you about uh, where we're headed with our student ministry. If you are watching online and you are a 6th to 12th grader or you're a parent of a 6th to 12th grader, stay tuned. I will send you a video uh, message with the update that we're going to update folks today. So right after service, if you're 6th to 12th grade, um, we invite you to stick, stick around. Okay. You guys ready for part two of Ain't No Grave? Anybody ready? ready. Amen. All right. Um, you, you know, last week I watched uh, Pastor Mark preach. I was down in Phoenix. And he preached a sermon called Jesus is Better. Anybody hear that sermon last week? Man, man, I was like, wow, this is the experience that people are having. I was um, down in Phoenix. Uh, as many of you know, my, my, my mother passed away. We had her funeral last week. And, uh, and I tell you, that sermon was a, was a shot in the arm for me. It was very inspiring. Uh, and I'm sure it was for you too. If you didn't see it, go back online and watch it from last Sunday. Um, today, we're going to continue that series, uh, Ain't No Grave. And I want to start with a scripture from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And here's what the scripture says. It says, may the God of hope, somebody say hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him. Does anybody need some joy and some peace in their heart today? May he fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him. Come back to that scripture. Go back one slide. There you go. So that you may, look at this, overflow with hope. So that you may overflow, so that your life may abound with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Today I want to preach for just a few moments on the topic, the secret power of hope. The secret power of hope. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. For your presence here. Father, we ask that you would still our hearts and still our minds. 
We pray, God, that your spirit would descend upon this place and descend upon the hearts and the minds of everybody who's watching online. We pray, God, that you would just settle in to our hearts in this space and in this time. I pray, Lord God, that you would open our hearts to receive your word. I pray, Lord God, you would fill my mouth with your words to pour out by the power of your spirit that we might overflow, that we might abound in hope. We pray this to your glory and to your honor and to your praise. And somebody say in Jesus name, amen, amen, amen. All right. I'm going to do something really, really fun today. I've never done this. Always wanted to do this, but I've never done this. Uh, And I think this is going to keep your attention throughout the sermon. All right. I'm going to do something special today. This is a $100 bill. U.S. Treasury, Benjamin Franklin, got all the little things that you're supposed to have and all the watermark is a $100 bill. At the end of this sermon, I'm going to give this $100 bill to somebody. Okay? Is that all right? Okay, now let me ask you something. (laughs) Everybody feels nervous, like, wait, what? And you get a car and you get it. No, no, no. Um, No. (laughs) How many of you, just just by the showing of hands, how many of you hope that I give this $100 bill to you? I mean, you know, you hope, you hope. If you're online and you hope I give this $100 bill to you, um, just give us a thumbs up. Give us a like, okay? Then we'll know. Um, yeah, everybody, everybody hopes that I'll give this $100 bill to them, right? Because it's a $100 bill. I mean, it's 100 bucks. It's not bad. There's not, nothing wrong with that. But when you and I say, I hope that you'll give me the $100 bill, what you really mean is, I, I wish you would. I'd like that. That'd be nice. But... You don't really expect that I'm going to, right? I mean, do you? I mean, I mean, you want me to, but you don't, you're not sitting there going, yeah, I think he's going to give it to me. I, I, I think, you're, not, you're not expecting it, right? When, when we talk about hope, the human version of hope, in our mind, hope is just a wish. It's just a desire. In fact, let me give you the definition of human hope. Here it is. Human hope is the expression of a desire with no expectation that that desire will be fulfilled. So if I say to you, hey, I hope you guys can make it to the party. You know, I hope the Chiefs, you know, pull it together next year. I hope they, I hope they win the Super Bowl, yeah, yeah. right? I hope it doesn't rain at the barbecue. Hey, I hope you guys have a safe trip, right? We say it all the time, but what we mean is it'd be nice. It'd be great. I hope that happens. I wish that that would happen, but I don't have any expectation about what whether or not that's going to happen. I don't know if you're going to come to the barbecue or not. I I, I don't know if it's going to rain or not. I don't know how the Chiefs are going to do next year. I don't really have any confidence one way or the other. It's just something that I want, right? But when the scripture speaks of hope, it uses the same word, but it has a different meaning. See, this is human hope. When the scripture, when the apostle Paul writes down the word hope, I want you to be abounding in hope. Here's what he means. This is divine hope. Divine hope is the eager expectation and confident assurance of a good and desirable end. Whenever the scripture, whenever you read the word hope in the Bible, what you are reading is a word that means more than desire. It includes desire, but it means way more than desire. It means not only do I want it, but I'm confident that I'm going to get it. I, in fact, I am eagerly expecting that I'm going to get it. It's not just that I want it, which I do, 
But I have a confident assurance. I have an eager expectation. I am moving through life with a sense of confidence and security because I have a hope that I feel confident is going to be fulfilled. That's divine hope. That's the kind of hope that the scripture is talking about. Have you ever, have you ever met somebody who just like embodies that kind of eager expectation? They're just always expecting good things to happen. You know anybody like that? You know, where it's just like, I just think it's, I think it's going to turn out okay. I think it's going to turn out good, right? I, if you've ever been around somebody like that, and, and by the way, if you ever notice, a lot of times the people that feel that way, that's what happens. Things seem to kind of go their way. And have you ever met somebody who's like, man, I just don't think anything's going to work out very good for me. I, just, I don't think it's going to, I just don't know. I don't think it's going to turn out so good. You know, and guess what? It usually doesn't, right? You, you generally get what you expect. You know what I mean? All men are dogs. Well, you generally get what you expect. Probably going to get fired from this job. Well, you generally get what you expect, right? A lot of times we get what we expect. Come on, somebody, help me, right? I grew up when I was a kid in what I would call old, an old school Pentecostal church. Old school. Now, this is, this is when I was a kid. And what I thought was hype when I was a kid I later learned was hope. You see, when I was a kid, I thought people were just talking crazy talk because they walked around with this sense of expectation. They walked around with this sense of confident assurance. These were people, when I was growing up, that did not have many material goods. They didn't have very much money. They didn't have very many educational opportunities. They didn't have any stocks or bonds. They didn't have real estate. They didn't have the things that you might think you should put your hope in. They were maybe poor in material wealth, but they were rich in hope. Because they walked around with the confident assurance that everything was going to be all right. And I believed when I was a kid, I said, that's just hype. But the longer I live, I realized, no, 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 that wasn't hype. That was hope. You see, today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is when people celebrate the, what was called the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And everybody said, oh man, this is it. They threw their cloaks on the ground. They threw palm fronds on the ground. They said, Hosanna, son of David, you know, uh, glory to God in the highest. They were so excited because they had a hope about what Jesus was going to do. They believed that he was going to throw off Roman oppression. They believed that he was going to throw off the military might that had oppressed them for all of these years. They had a, a hope, an expectation about what they, were, what they were going to experience from this king that was riding in on a donkey. That's why they call it the triumphal entry. However, as we all know, a few days later, Jesus was arrested and Jesus was scourged and Jesus was spit upon. And so this hope that they had was suddenly dashed by disappointment. And so the same people that were shouting, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest, son of David, started saying, crucify him. Why? Because their hope was gone. They lost their hope. They had confident assurance. They had eager expectation. And that was destroyed the moment that Jesus was arrested. So a lot of us today have experienced in some way the same experience that those Israelites on that day, that triumphal entry, 
have experienced. Many of us have experienced a version of that where we had an expectation, we had a hope, we had a desire, we eagerly anticipated that life was gonna turn out a certain way, and then our hopes were disrupted, our desires were not fulfilled, our dreams were dashed. Some of you, in your relationships, what you hoped would come to fruition in that relationship has not come to fruition. Some of you in your career, the thing that you were hoping for, the thing that you were striving for, the thing you were desiring, it hasn't come to fruition. And you're tempted to go to cynicism and despair and anxiety and frustration and fear because your hope is waning. Your hope is losing its power. But the scripture is saying to you and to me today, I want you to be abounding in hope. What I want to do today is I want to, in fact, the Apostle Paul was praying. Let me put it this way. The Apostle Paul was praying for us. And he was writing his prayer down. And it was a prayer of hope. Let me read it to you. It's from Ephesians chapter 1. He said this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. In fact, when you drill down on this word know the hope, it actually means see the hope through your mind's eye. I pray that the the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. I pray that your mind, your heart would be illuminated by the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can see the hope to which you are called. Because the reality is this. For every single person in here, every person watching online, God wants your heart to be so filled with joy and so filled with peace and so filled with power and so filled with comfort and so filled with confident assurance that it abounds and it overflows and it pours out of you onto somebody else and it fills them up too. So God is saying to you and me today, I want you to be abounding in hope. What I want to do today is I want to change somebody's mind. I want somebody who does not have hope or who is on the low ebb of hope. I want to change your mind and have you so filled with hope today that when you leave here, it just pours out of you. Is that okay? That's my goal for you. I got a goal for you today. My goal is that you would be abounding in hope today. And here, here, here's, what I, here's what I'm going to teach you. I'm going to talk you straight through it. And, uh, and at the end, um, I feel like I feel like we're all going to be abounding in hope. Uh, let me teach you a couple things about hope. The first thing is this, if you're taking notes. The quality of your hope depends upon the reliability of its source. Hang on to that for a minute, okay? The quality of your hope depends on the reliability of its source. So in other words, what is the source of your hope? Is it a reliable source? Because if the source of your hope is not reliable, then the quality of your hope will be diminished. It will be poor. It will ultimately be broken. So I'll give you an example. Um, a while back, I went onto Amazon.com and I ordered myself a black baseball cap. Flat brim, had like the mesh back, snap back, and I was gonna, and it was all black, black on black. And I was going to get the, 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 the logo of our church embroidered on the front of my hat. I had this vision for what I was going to do with this hat. It was going to be so cool. It was going to be a great hat. I was all ready for this hat. So I went on to Amazon.com, and there was a supplier that I had never heard of that supplied these kinds of hats. So I put in an order for this hat. 
And, you know, I eagerly anticipated that my hat would be arriving within a couple days. It wasn't prime, but I thought, you know, still, it's going to be there. You, you with me? You know, you put the order in, you anticipate that it's going to show up. So a few days go by, and I hadn't seen the hat. So, you know, about a week comes by, and I go, hey, hey babe, my, my, my wife, Rebecca, hey, have you, uh, have you seen my hat? Has my hat come in? No, I haven't seen the hat. Okay, it's probably going to come. A few days later, hey, has anybody, anybody seen my hat? Has my hat arrived? No hat. A few days later, still no, it's my hat, no, no hat. Okay, so I go on Amazon and it says, you know, it gives you kind of like a play-by-play. -play. Okay, it's like the hat is like three weeks away. Oh, really? Okay, three weeks away. Okay, all right, well, I had this idea. I went, I'm ready for the logo and I just wanted to look cool and everything, right? It's going to be cool. Um, and so I'm waiting, I'm waiting, no hat. But I kept asking about my hat. Now, then my children found this amusing. So my children then started joining in on the where's the hat kind of flow that we had at the house. So the kids started going, hey, dad, is your hat coming? And they would give me that look like, no, no, no. <laughs> hey, dad, where's your hat? Is your hat? Did you get your hat? Can I tell you people, this was June of 2019. I am still waiting for my hat to arrive. In fact, when I was preparing for this sermon, I went on to Amazon.com, and you can go to your orders. And I went down to my hat. I had to go way down because it was June of 2000. That was a long time ago. And I go down and it says, this item is no longer in stock. So then I said, okay, well, let me get my refund. So I clicked on my refund button. Okay, this is $12.99, people. I want my money back. Okay? I'll go down to Chipotle. I can get like a bowl with avocados and guacamole. I can do a lot with $12.99, okay? And, and so it's, I click on the button for my refund. It says, we're sorry, we're not able to refund this item. Your order is too old. You see, my, the quality of my hope turned out to be low because the reliability of my source was low. In life, sometimes we put our hope in things that don't deliver. Come on, somebody. We put our hope in things that do not come through for us. We put our hope in something and we keep checking to see, is it going to come through? Is it going to work out? Am I going to be fulfilled? Is the thing that I imagine going to happen? I'm eagerly anticipating, but it's not coming to fruition. And over time, we start to lose hope. If you put your hope in people, your hope will not become fulfilled. If you put your hope in other, if your hope, if your peace and your comfort and your longing for, for joy and abundance and power in your life is located in somebody else, you will be disappointed. You will be, even if it's somebody good, even if it's somebody wonderful, they will disappoint you if they are the source of your hope. If they're the source of your, they're going to let you down. When Jesus was in his darkest hours, he had his disciples with him and he said, disciples, Peter, James, John, come with me because I'm getting ready to go through something and I need you to be with me. I need you to back me up. I'm going to go into the garden and pray. I want you to come pray with me. How many of you know sometimes you just need uh, uh, some brothers around you or some, or some sisters around you to, to, to give you some strength and support when you're in a time of trouble? Jesus said, I, come on, guys, come on, come with me, come pray. Goes into the garden and he starts to pour his heart out to the Lord and said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Father, I, I don't want to go through the suffering and the agony that I'm about to go through. He knew what was coming. Father, I need your strength. I need your support in this hour. Let me go check on my guys. Let me make sure they're praying with me. He comes over to his guys. They're all passed out. They're asleep. 
If you put your hope in somebody else, if you put your hope in somebody else, you will be disappointed. All of you already know that. You already know that. And if you've experienced that, where you put your hope and your hope was disappointed, sometimes what we do is then we turn our hope towards ourselves. Right? We say, look, you know what? I can't trust anybody. I guess I can just trust myself. I'm going to just put my hope in myself. Can nobody help me? I'm just going to help myself. And then you put your hope and your confidence and your faith in yourself. And can I tell you? Let me talk to the young people for me. If you're 20... If you're 30 or below, let me just tell you this. Don't put your trust in yourself. Don't let yourself be the source of your hope. Because just like other people will let you down, you will let yourself down. And if you have all of your hope and all of your expectation in your perfection and how good and great you're going to do, you will be disappointed. Don't get me wrong. You are valued. You are loved. You are worthy. But it's not because of you. It's because of the love of God that has been poured into you. Do not put your hope in yourself. Do not put your hope in your circumstances. A lot of times when we get in a good state and a good frame, we go, hey, man, this is okay. We're good. Everything's tracking now. And we put our hope in our situation. Every athlete believes that the <laughs> that the game is never going to end. Every athlete, every beauty queen believes that the beauty will not fade. Every real estate investor believes that the market's going to keep going up. Every stockbroker believes that we're still going to climb. Everybody who puts their faith or their hope in something other than God will be disappointed because everything but God decays. Everything but, but God erodes. Everything but God degrades. Do not put your hope in other things. So what is the source of our hope? The scripture puts it like this. We go back to that scripture, Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you. May the God of hope fill you. God is the source. Most of you just like, this is so rudimentary Sunday school for you. You're like, I already know that. I know God is the source, right? God is the source of your peace. God is the source of your hope. God is the source of your love. God is the source of all good things that come to you. Now, many of you would say, okay, I already know that, right? But there is a difference between intellectually assenting to something and actually experiencing that thing that you know. Hear me now, because all of us, all of us are smart here. Every, there's, it's all smart folks here. I can just tell. I'm just looking at you. This is all smart. You already know that God is the source. You already know that God is the reservoir of all hope. You already know that. Most of y'all know that. You already know that he is the source, right? But you can know about the source, but not tap into the source. I know that there are, uh, there's, a, there's a reservoir in St. Louis that produces about 150 million gallons of clean water a day to this city. I know that. I researched that. I looked that up. So I know that to be true. I intellectually know that. But I will not taste the sweetness of that water unless I go turn on the tap. You see, sometimes we know something, but we don't access that thing that we know. All of us know that God is the source but we don't access God as the source. And so our hope dries up because we have not tapped into the reservoir of the, of the hope that God pours out. So how do we access the source? Same scripture tells us, look at this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. How? As you trust in him. Your trust is the tap. That should be a, that should be a sermon note. Somebody should write that down. 
Your trust in God is the tap. Here's another way to put it. Your ability to receive depends on your willingness to believe. If you don't put your trust in God, then you cannot experience the source of hope that he wants to pour out upon you. If you do not believe in him with your heart, soul, mind, and body, I don't mean just intellectually assenting. I mean trusting him. I mean saying, God, this is, I'm yours. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put all my eggs in that basket. I'm going I'm to put everything that I've got in you. I'm going to trust you with my mind, with my body, with my soul, with my family, with my work, with my job, with my hopes, with my dreams. I'm going to trust you with everything, God. I'm going to put it all in you. I'm going to tap into the reservoir of you so you can be the source of my hope. You've got to put your faith in him. We have a little dog at our house. We adopted a little French bulldog few years ago. Sweet little dog. A little bit stinky, but still sweet. He's nice. And I'm not really a dog person, just to be honest with you. Um, not a cat person either. Um, I guess I'm not a pet person. Let's just put it that way, okay? Um, but, but this dog likes me. He really does. His name's Cassius. And ever since we got Cassius, he, he just loves me. He just loves me. And I feel a little bit bad because he loves me more than I. I love him, but he just loves me so much. Just, I can tell. Everywhere I go, he goes. If I go upstairs, he goes upstairs. If I go downstairs, he goes downstairs. If I go to the bathroom, he, 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 he tries to, can I, can I, you know, stay out there, Cassius, just let me. He, he, everywhere I go, he wants to be near me. He likes to crawl up on the couch and just snuggle up next to me with his hot little stinky body. He just like wants to get right. He just, right, why? Because he just trusts that something good is gonna happen when he's around me. He just believes that. I might rub his belly, I might scratch him up under the chin, I might break off a little piece of my snack, I might take him outside for a walk. He just believes that something good is gonna, he has eager expectation, confident assurance that hanging around me is gonna benefit him. And you know, it usually does. Now look, there are some stretches of time where nothing happens at all, but he doesn't mind. He just goes to sleep, snores very loudly while I'm on Zoom calls, you know, making it awkward and embarrassing for people on the other end. But he just, he just wants to be around me. We used to sing a song when I was growing up and it, 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 it said, uh, I just feel like something good is about to happen. You ever, anybody? He goes, I just feel like something good is on its way. God has promised that he'd open all of heaven. And brother, this could be that very day. The, the kid, people that I grew up just had that, that feeling, right? He just knows that something good is going to happen, right? Because he believes, he puts his trust. Here's how Jesus said it. Jesus put it like this. He said, if you believe, if you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Your ability to receive is tied into your willingness to believe. It's tied into your willingness. It depends on your willingness. Will I put my trust in you, Lord? Will I put my confidence in you? Will I come up near you? Will I try to be next to you? Will I trust that you are the source of all that is good and right for me? I think some of us today just need to get up close to God. I think that some of us today who are sitting on the edge of cynicism and sitting on the edge of anxiety, and sitting on the edge of uncertainty, and sitting on the edge of despair, what we need to do is draw close to God today and say, God, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, 
but I trust that being around you is going to turn out all right. I just trust that being with you is going to work out good for me. I just kind of believe that all things work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to you. I'm just going to get next to you, God. Now, the question is, how do we do this? What, what are the practical ways? What are the steps that we can take to do this? I want to give you a few today, and I'm not going to belabor this. I'm not going to go long. But I want to give you... I want to give you something that you can chew on. I want to give you something that you can take home. I want to give you something that you can, that you can do. Okay, I want to give you some action steps today. Here's the first one. Ready? Number one is discover the promise. First, you've got to know what the promise is that God is offering you. You have to understand what it is that he is offering you before you can prepare your heart to receive it. So my, my, my family, my mom and dad, they prepared a will before they die, a will. And a will expresses the desire of the person who wrote the will, the testator. It not only expresses the desire, it expresses the promises. It says, here's what I want to happen, and here's what's gonna happen. And you can take that will, and that will is legally enforceable. You can take that will to a judge and say, judge, this is what's supposed to happen. And as a matter of law, the judge will enforce that will. Whatever the testator said is supposed to happen is going to happen because that was the will of the person who died. It was their will that certain things went to certain people. That's how a will works. Can I just tell you, this is the will of God for your life. This is the will of God. These are the desires and the promises of God, except God's not dead. He's the testator. He's also the trustee. He's the executor of the estate. So he's the one that tells where the money goes and where the goods go and where the things go. And he's the judge to enforce the will. If you want to have the hope that God has for you, if you want to be abounding in hope, if you want to have the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you can experience the hope that is the, that is the calling that God put on your life, you've got to know what the promises are. Scripture says this. It says, for everything that was written in the past, talking about the scripture, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and through the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. I want to encourage you today. Take some time into God's word and discover the promises that he has for you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's in the will. Right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's in the will. All things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. That's in the will. You've got to discover the promises in the will. I want to encourage you today. In two weeks, we're going to have uh, our membership session, our me membership class. If you are not a member of One Family Church, I'm going to encourage you to do that. You can do it at the Shaw campus. You can do it at the U-City campus. You can do it online. We're going to do it uh, in two weeks, the week after Easter. I want to invite you to get into God's word. I want to invite you to start to be a part of a community that, that grows in God's word. You can get into a life group. You can start to nourish your soul on the bread of God, on the bread of life. You can start to grow in the promises of God because that's how we build our trust. It's how we get our hope. We get our hope through the word of God. That's number one. Ready? Number two is not only no, discover the promise, but the next one is this. Preach the promise. To yourself. Preach the promise to yourself. This is a room full of preachers. You didn't know that. 
You are a preacher and you are the congregation. Come on, somebody. You know you talk to yourself, right? You know that, right? Here's how, here's how I found out how much I talk to myself. Because during this whole COVID thing, when we were locked down and we were shooting, you know, filming all over the place, I always had a microphone on and, and, and I would walk around and it was recording at all times. And when I went back and saw some of the footage, I was like, oh, wow, I was, I was talking to myself quite a bit. And everything I said was being recorded. So there's confidentiality clauses written to, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, it, we talk to ourselves. We speak to ourselves all the time. The question is, what are you saying to yourself? What is the sermon that you preach to yourself? What have you told yourself today already about yourself? What have you said to yourself today? Right? Already. Because the words that you preach to yourself are going to go into your heart. And you're going to believe them because they're in your voice. And the scripture teaches us that we are to preach the promises to ourselves. Let me show you what I mean. When David was discouraged, here's what he did. Psalm 42. Here's what he said. This is David in the Psalms. He's talking to himself. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Do you, do you see who he's talking to? He's talking to himself. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you downcast? Me? Why are you so disturbed within me? Talk to himself. And then he turns the corner. He does this in all the Psalms. Put your hope in God. He's preaching to himself. Some of us today, we need to learn the promises, discover the promise, and then you've got to preach them to yourself. Because no, if, if you, you talk to yourself more than you talk to anybody else, and you talk to yourself more than anybody else talks to you, you talk to yourself while you're driving, and it might not be out loud, but every thought in your mind is your mind talking to you. What are you preaching to yourself? If you want to start experiencing hope and peace and joy abounding in, in your heart and in your soul, you got to start preaching the promises to your own life. Amen, somebody? you got to start preaching. God, I, I, I do this now, especially when I am discouraged and downhearted. Every once in a while, I'll turn it around like David. I'll go, you know what, Rome? Hey, man, God is good. God loves you. You're good. Everything's okay. God's with you. He's going to walk you through this. He's going to be with you. He's with you right now. And I, before you know it, I've just preached a great sermon to myself. I preach better to myself than I preach to you. I'm sorry. I just, I don't know. I just feel a little freer when I'm preaching to myself. And it flows. It just flows. One of these days, I'm going to just record one of those sermons, and then I'm just going to preach it out to you guys. But you've got to learn to preach to yourself. And the third one is this. To experience that hope, you've got to walk with patient expectation. Walk in God with patient expectation that God is with you and that God, it, it, it comes down to this. God is all powerful. Believe that. God is all good. Believe that. God cares about you. Believe that. When you walk around with those affirmations in your heart and in your mind, you can walk around with confident expectation and eager assurance that God is going to take care of you and things are going to work out all right despite the circumstances. Now, somebody here has been very, very patient throughout this entire sermon. This brings us back to the $100 bill. Okay, I told you guys I was going to get... How many of you were just, just staying with this sermon just so you could see who I gave this $100 bill to? Okay, that's cool. If it works, it works. Um, I'm going to give this, to, this $100 bill to somebody who has been patiently waiting, eagerly expecting, 
and confidently assured that I was going to give this $100 bill to them. Okay? Bryson, can you come up here for just a second? Come here, Bryson. Anybody? This is Bryson right here. You guys ought to get to know Bryson. Bryson, Bryson is a scientist. She wins all kinds of awards in, in, in Missouri for her, her work in science. She is a gymnast. She wins like gold medals. You should see. There's pictures. Gold medals. She just, she's just bling everywhere. Just gold medals all over. And guess what? Bryson has known for the last 30 minutes that she was going to get this $100 bill. She's known that. How did you know that, Bryson? Um, I was hoping for and I was wishing for and kind of because you told me to. Okay. If you didn't catch it, she said, kind of because you told me that you were going to get it. <laughs> so Bryson and I have known each other. How old are you, Bryson? Um, I'm nine, month, nine years and more, about ten. Not nine, nine months and, oh, nine years Basically, you're almost 10. Okay, okay. I've known Bryson for her entire life, except for the first three months. We didn't know each other then. We met each other when Bryson was three years old. I've known, or three months old. I've known Bryson all her life. Bryson, throughout this entire sermon, knew she was going to get this $100 bill. She has had confident assurance that she's going to get this $100. She has been eagerly anticipating and eagerly expecting that she's going to get this $100 bill. The reason is because I told her. And because she knows me. And because she trusts me. Because she's known me all her life. And when I say something, I, I tell the truth. I've never lied to her. I've never broken her trust. So when I said to her before service, Hey, Bryson, I'm going to give you $100 in the middle of this sermon. I guarantee you she believed throughout the entire sermon that I was going to give her the $100. Now you hope that I would in the human hope. She hoped that I would in the divine hope. You had a wish and a desire. She had a confident assurance and an eager expectation. Right? This is how... I guess I should probably give it to you. There you go. All right. <laughs> Can we hear it for Bryson? Thank you, baby. This is what God wants for us. God is making promises in his word about what he wants for you. When you put your faith in him, you can, have, you can have hope for your future. When you put your trust in him, you can have hope for your future. You can have confident assurance and eager expectation that God is going to take you where God wants to take you and that it will be good. I'm going to close it like this. Palm Sunday. Peter... James and John were definitely with the crowd. And they were there waving palm fronds in the air. They were throwing their coats down. Hosanna, son of David. They were in on this, right? But just like everybody else, when Jesus was arrested, their hopes were dashed. If you remember Peter, he's the one who breaks my heart. Because Peter just loved, just, he just wanted Jesus to win so bad. And when the pain came and when the arrest came and when things started to turn south, all of his hopes began to be diminished. All of his desires and his dreams and his aspirations began to go away. He started to believe that everything that he had believed in was false. And when he was confronted by somebody who said, you knew Jesus, right? You knew, you're like, you're one of his guys, right? He said, no, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who he is. 
because his hope was gone. And they said, no, I think we saw you with him. He said, no, it wasn't me. Somebody else. No, no, I really think that I remember seeing you with him. And he said, the scripture said he cursed and denied him. Because his hope was gone. His hope was gone. The thing that he was longing for in life was gone. The relationship, the dream, the hope, the aspiration was broken. Jesus was killed on a Friday. He was buried on a Saturday. Saturday is that day, that's the day after the worst day of your life, but before Sunday. It's the day when the worst thing happened and now you don't know what to do with the worst thing that happened because your hope died with that thing. Your hope went down when that thing went down. But this is a sermon series, series called Ain't No Grave. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. We have a hope because of day three, because of Sunday. Because on that day, Jesus rose from the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus went out and he found Peter fishing. And he pulled Peter off the boat. He said, Peter, come here. Peter, who had denied him. Peter, who had messed up. Peter, whose dreams had died. Peter, whose dreams had been dashed. Peter, who had failed him. Jesus said, hey, Peter, come here. Made him some breakfast on the beach. Got some breakfast for you, Peter. And then he said, do you love me? Yes, I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Peter, do you, do you really love me? Yes, I really do. Feed my sheep. Peter, third time. Do you really, really love me, Peter? I really, really love you, Jesus. Feed my sheep. What he was doing, he was, he was restoring all of those denials, all of those broken dreams, all of that pain, all of that anguish, all of that despair, all of that cynicism, all of that fear, all of that anxiety. Jesus was saying, I'm going to turn that around for you. I'm going to restore all of that for you. And then Peter, a few years later, wrote these words. He said, Praise be to the God and Father. Go to that next one. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Today, I want to tell somebody, we have a hope because Jesus rose from the grave. That is the object of our hope. Our hope, in fact, Paul wrote, like, Paul wrote it like this. He said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we of all men are most miserable. Our hope is in the resurrection of Jesus because the spirit that raised him from the dead is in you and me today. I want somebody to get a hold of that hope. God loves you. He has a future for you. He has a dream for you, and he wants you to get a hold of that hope today and be abounding in hope. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your spirit in our life and the power of your word in our life. God, I just pray that somebody today, the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. 
I just pray, Lord God, that somebody today would get to see the hope to which they are called. I hope that somebody today, I pray that somebody today, I eagerly anticipate that somebody today will experience the life-giving hope of the Spirit. And they can understand that no matter what circumstance they're going through, no matter how many times other people have let them down, no matter how many times they have let themselves down, God, that you are there and you are a reservoir of hope that we can tap into just as easy as turning on the faucet, putting our trust in you, putting our faith in you. I pray that each and every person here today, their heart would crack open just a little bit to receive the outpouring of the reservoir of your spirit into their heart and they would be filled with the boundless beauty and peace and joy of the hope that lies within us. Father, we thank you for this. We give you all the glory, all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I want to invite you as we close. If you're somebody who needs some hope, maybe you haven't ever given your life to the Lord, maybe you've never put your trust in him, I want you to do it today. I'm, I'm, I'm inviting you to do it. I'm calling you to do it today. Put your trust in Jesus. Put your hope in him. Put your faith in him. And if you are doing that with your heart, with your mind, with your soul right now, let us know. You can put it on a connection card. There's some connection cards in the seats. There's a connection card, a digital one online. It's in the, uh, it's in the chat and it's in the description. Take a moment, fill that out. If you need prayer, if there's any way that we can connect with you, if you need some encouragement, if you need to get into the word, if you need to get into a life group, let us know. We will get you connected on that connection card. If you're a, a, a member of One Family Church or this is your church home, this is, this is, this is your part of this family, we invite you to support the work of this ministry through your giving. You can do that online. There's a link there. You can do it. Uh, apparently, you can point your phone at the uh, QR code and do it there. Uh, help us be a part of spreading this hope, abounding in this hope, and pouring this hope out to the city and to the nation around us. And finally... We're offering communion, a communion station for anybody who wants to take communion. Uh, there's a prayer room, right? If you're at Shaw, it's right down the stairs and down the hallway. There are different stations for meditation, prayer, and communion, and thanksgiving. And we invite you to just go down there. There's bread. There's the cup. Everything is down there. Everything is clean and sanitized and prepared for you if you'd like to just take a moment and remember the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. If you're online, we actually have a a page on our website, onefamilychurch.com slash worship, and it'll walk you through an entire communion um, experience on online. But we invite you to do that today. Would you all stand with me now? Would you just, before you leave, turn to somebody, maybe two or three people, throw them an elbow or a fist bump and just say, have hope in God. Have hope in God. Have hope in God. God bless you. We love you guys. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you on Easter Sunday next week. Amen.